Hi everybody, welcome. It is Tuesday the 29th of June 2021. Welcome to the Recovery from Relapse Overeaters Anonymous meeting. My name is Rita Q and today I am absolutely delighted to introduce Melissa C who is going to talk to us about her journey in OA. Melissa is from New York and she came to OA originally in 1992 so I'm going to hand it over to her to share her experience, strength and hope. Take it away Melissa. Thanks, Rita. Thanks, everybody. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. Um, I'm actually in Florida right now. Um, so there's a lot of humidity here. I did not blow dry my hair. <laughs> I just want to say that. Um, but uh, my, um, my particular story is um, definitely one of relapse. And, um, you know, when, when Rita sent me a, a a WhatsApp or a text this morning asking, when did I first come to OA? You know, I kind of have to almost like laugh because I, I don't know anybody, by the way, who hasn't relapsed as part of their, as part of their story. And I know like that might sound really like heart wrenching, but I think the idea that crushing blow that's required, that real first step one, at least for me, that was required was it meant that I had to actually be um, crushed a little more. And, and that's the experience of relapse. And so it should not be um, viewed. When I look at it in hindsight, I learned something tremendously important from that experience. I learned that really, really am powerless <laughs> and, um, and no human power was going to be the solution for this. We're told um, step one says only an act of providence. That means only a miracle, guys. So it, what was required is something miraculous. And why did I need to relapse? Because I didn't think I really needed a relapse. I didn't think I really needed a miracle. I thought I could, on my own human power, could conjure up what was necessary to get well. And that's not what it says. It's actually, it says all over the book, it's God. It's gotta be a relationship. Now you can call it what you like, a higher power, but it's gotta be something bigger. That's my experience. And until you know, till I knew that I was not that big power and I found it out, you know, the painful way. <laughs> we have like, you know, we learn things, uh, I think one of two ways we can, witness other people and allow them to be the cautionary tale. That's great if that works. Or we can actually have the gut-wrenching experience. And that for me in my life has been the greatest teacher. So I'm always, I always like to start off by showing pictures. Um, and uh, I tried to reformat them a little bit um, last night. So, all right, here we go. So. Um, at my top weight, I was over 300 pounds. And I, and I want to start off by saying um, this picture here with me holding my daughter was 20 years ago. And um, I, I had thought I was at my top weight. <laughs> and I was like so happy. I had this brand new baby that I loved and adored and still do. And a husband that I felt the same way about. And I still do. We were so happy. I mean, I, I look at that picture and I, my husband loved me and he's always loved me. And so the love of another person wasn't enough to get me well. 
and getting all my wishes wasn't enough to get me well. Because here I am, I'm holding my daughter and I thought, all right, now I'm gonna lose this weight. I got a baby. I'm a mother now. I'm going to get control of this thing and I'm gonna be so busy loving her that I won't have time to eat. That was my like crazy mental thinking. And I'm gonna nurse my way to being thin. Right. I'm going to like, you know, burn off all the calories and get myself thin. And the crazy thing is, here's me in the pink. Right. She's older and I got larger and my husband still loves me. Right. So it wasn't love. It wasn't none of that. And when I look at that picture, there's a world of pain in my face. I am in so much pain and agony. Um, because I really wanted to get a handle on this thing and I couldn't. And I had other life situations that were occurring simultaneously and I just could not deal with them without the food. I just couldn't do it without the food. Um, you know, here's me again, lots of love, <laughs> you know, happy family. We're in a restaurant. We were always in restaurants. You know, all, most of our pictures were taken around a table you know, drinks and food. Um, and, you know, there's us again, again, out at a restaurant. Um, and um, here I am, this picture of me in the red shirt, there was a party at my house at the time. I don't look like there was a party happening at my house at the time. I could barely brush my hair. I could barely, um, I certainly wasn't putting any makeup on. Not that you have to wear makeup to be well, but um, that's a good indicator for me. If I feel good, I, I tend to put makeup on. <laughs> um, and I, I couldn't even summon up anything in me to do it. I just didn't have it in me. And, um, and there I am next to, now this is directly related to a relapse. This picture of me in the sunglasses, we were on a beautiful vacation. And um, I picked something up. I was abstinent on that vacation. I had lost a little bit of weight. You might not be able to tell from looking at the picture, but I know it. And actually on my body, right? Cause I'm, I'm a, I was a big girl. I think the difference between here and here was like 50 pounds. That's a lot of weight guys. But in, if, you're, if you're someone who gets to over 300 pounds, 50 pounds doesn't look like very much. People aren't like saying, oh my God, you lost so much. Nope. But I was, I, was in, I was actually having some recovery. I was working a program. We went away to Florida. Um, we went to Disney World first, my husband and I with the kids. I was abstinent on that trip, had a great time on that trip. And then we brought my kids to my mom's <laughs> and my mother also lives in Florida and we continued Southern, more Southern and went on a little vacation, just my husband and I, the two of us to Key West. And on that trip, I picked something up that crazy enough was the same something I picked up like 20 years earlier that took me out of recovery. And I did it again. I did the same thing again. This is, this is a picture of me right ready to relapse, right on the brink of relapse. And I'm smiling. I was happy. So it wasn't like I wasn't, there was no reason, right? Except there is a reason because I'm powerless. And I had not yet, had not yet forged a relationship with power. So this is what, you know, okay, here I am at the worst. 
this is really um, me in the leopard sweater. It's about the only thing that fit at that point. And part of my story is um, we suffered a lot of loss between my daughter and my son. We lost a child. We um, just a lot of very tragic, hard times. And I ate through it all because that's that was the glue that held this girl together. And I don't even regret it at this point because I don't know that I would have survived it if I didn't have the food. So I'm grateful actually that I had this disease because I didn't have anything yet, you know, that would, that would help me. But the, the painful thing about this particular picture was I longed for this child more than anything. I was dying for another child and I had him and I could barely hold him. I could barely hold him and he was so active. I say was, cause now he's 14 and I can't even get him out of bed half the time. So he's still here, but he's like, he's a 14 year old lump. But at, when he was little, he was running at nine months, running up and down the stairs. We would joke because he actually could climb the walls. He would climb the door frame. And then I don't know how he did it like Spider-Man cling to the walls. And then, and I would cry because I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with him. And I just, I was like begging this baby to stop moving, just sit still. And then the sad other part was I could barely hold him because the was so large that it was hard for me to get my arms around him. And he was so wiggly, it was hard for me to hold him. So I had everything and the food demanded, you know, the food demands everything. It does not care that I'm a mother, doesn't care that I'm a daughter, doesn't care that I'm a wife. It wants all of me. It wants me dead. That's what I believe. And it will, you know, they say, and it will settle for miserable. You know, I was, I was walking around like a dead person in that picture. Um, I feel like my life was being removed piece by piece, little by little. I stopped doing certain things, going up and down the stairs. Can you imagine? Couldn't sit in the, in the armchairs in my own house. You know, my life became smaller. Um, the picture next to it, I had already been in recovery. I was working in recovery. I was losing weight, right? And I was working towards it. And it takes time, guys. If you're, you know, if you're someone and you're crawling in here at a large frame, it doesn't happen overnight. And my, my body and my size, I found out, is none of my business. That's up to God. My job is to live abstinent and to carry the message to the still sick and suffering. And I let God be in control of my body. I'm not, I'm a normal, I'm a normal size today. I've lost over 160 pounds. I am not, trust me in a bathing suit. I'm not, no, nothing to look at, right? That's not, that's not my business. That's up to God. I have a very unique responsibility. It's to be useful, to help other struggling compulsive overeaters know there is a way out from the hell of being owned by food. There really is. Um, here's another picture of me with my sisters. I have a beautiful, big, loving, loud, opinionated, flawed, imperfect, excellent family, right? And 
my family loves me. They always loved me. Um, and I'm blessed. But when I was living in the grips of the food owned by my resentments, I had a million ways that I could have told you that these people did me wrong. That was the way I experienced my life. In a room full of people who loved me, I was clinging to shit that happened when I was four. <laughs> Stuff that happened when I was 10. Stuff that happened last week. Stuff that I was predicting that was gonna happen. I lived in a, in a fake world. And so what, what happened for me at these events, it almost felt like there was a glass around me and the rest of the people. And, um, and so I had to get through these events drinking. And I'm not an alcoholic, but alcohol is the substance I take or took that would let me eat. It would lo loosen all my resolve and it would just help me eat. So I would spend sometimes these wonderful family occasions in the bathroom, eating, in the bathroom, um, not available to feel the love of the people around me. Okay, this next one, this is a happy picture. My body might not look it, but I was recovered. I was recovered in this picture. And I can tell you this is, and this is me and my mom. I made a big, beautiful affair for my daughter's bas mitzvah. Um, if you're familiar with what bas mitzvahs are like in the New York metropolitan area, it's, it's a show people. And we, I made a beautiful, beautiful bas mitzvah for my daughter, me and my husband, big catered affair, limitless, no limit to the food, to the alcohol, to everything. It was like, everything was wide open. We had a room for dessert, right? That's crazy. I didn't have one extra ounce, not one extra ounce. I ate entirely abstinent, right down to like having a discussion with the caterer, what I was going to eat. It was clear and I didn't feel sorry for myself and I wasn't begrudging and I enjoyed the day. I felt the love of everybody in that room. And I was happy in my release, right? And I wasn't thin. How is that? I thought you had to be thin to be happy, right? Not true. Living in agreement with God's will allows me to be happy, right? And if I live in agreement with God's will, food becomes unimportant. And if I leave the reshaping of my body up to God, He'll make it the right size to carry the message. And that's these pictures here. This is how I've been for the last number of years. And uh, the best part is I was trying to decide this morning what to wear. I almost wore the black dress. It fits me. It's fit me for years. Any one of these dresses, just go in the closet, put it on, wear it, happy, right? Um, and I don't have to think about it. And that is just something that's nothing short of a miracle and it's available here's the best part right it's a miracle and it's available to every single one of you i'm not unique right we are unique i'm unique in that i'm uniquely useful hopefully there's something special about my words that might reach someone's ears who need to hear it but recovery is not a unique experience right so um some, you know, it's funny when I share my picture, sometimes it becomes the whole share um, or half the share. So I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty certain I was born a compulsive overeater. 
and how do I know that? My first words were more. <laughs> and I was told that my whole life, everybody knows in my family, my first words were more. It is just perfect. That is me to a T. If there's some, I want more, right? If I got my share, I want more. And my, my mom says that all night long, I would scream. I would yell for more. And she barely heard me because my siblings who were older than me would just feed me bottle after bottle after bottle all night. She'd come in my room in the morning. I would be soaked because no one would change me. And there'd be bottles everywhere, like just thrown on the floor. Um, and, so, and my experience was um, I never felt satisfied with normal size portions. You know, so we would have um, dessert. You know, my mom would get a cake and she would bring it out. And before my first slice was cut, before the slice was cut, I knew my piece wasn't enough. I was longing. And that's the way that I lived my life. Like, here's my plate and my eyes are always there. Like, just beyond. What, what do you have? And that wasn't just true, by the way. I found out it wasn't just true for food. It was true for everything. Whatever anybody else got, it was like, why aren't I getting that? Whatever I got, there was just this like, mm, I want more. Never felt, never felt satisfaction. And I really experienced that, you know, primarily with food as a kid. I thought that the food would kind of make that feel good. Um, and so I want to tell you that part of my quest in, in recovery, I wanted to find out why. Why? Right? And, you know, in There's a Solution, it says opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. We're not sure why certain, once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. So the why question is an immature question. If you're in relapse and you're gonna uncover the why you're a compulsive overeater, you're asking the wrong question, right? Because why I found out is a question that children ask. And what they really mean when they say why is I don't like this. <laughs> You know, and it's think back, like if any of you are moms or dads, you told your kid they had to go to bed and they're like, why? They don't really want to know why. They just want you to make it. To, they just want their way. And that's really what it was for me. I just didn't want to have this disease. And I wanted very much to figure out who I could blame for it. Right. Let me make someone else at fault for it. And, and here's, here's the best part, right? If I found out why, that's still not the solution. So it's a waste of time because um, unless I can go back in a time machine and undo the why, I'm wasting precious time. Now, why did I relapse? That might be a more important question. And that's generally what aspect of my program did I stop working to form this relationship with the only power that can save me from the food, right? And that's where the why comes in, right? You know, um, why did I relapse? Why did I relapse? Um, because I thought I was in control. You know, um, 
my life was spent stealing food from people that I loved, sneaking and hiding. Um, you know, my first diet, I was um, 10. I went on Weight Watchers, um, lost weight. I found out, by the way, diets work because I've been dieting since I'm a little girl. I've dieted my whole life. I've lost and regained and lost and regained and diets work perfectly because if you limit your caloric intake, you lose weight, right? It's a no brainer. The problem is diets work for losing weight. Diets don't work for curing or recovering from this disease. And so the day would always come when I just, the diet didn't work because I didn't follow it and it could never work effectively again. It's like trying to fence a dog and there's a hole in the fence and you just keep trying to put the dog back in the same fence, but there's a hole in, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, you know, when I was 14 or 15, I had, I had put on a little bit of weight. I had been thin for a period of time from like 10 up to about 14, 15. And I put on a little bit of weight. And when I look back at the pictures, I don't think I really put on weight. I think I was just developing and I thought I put on weight. Um, so I went on a, like a starvation diet. <clears throat> and I lost um, a lot of weight, like really quick. I got very, very skinny and I got a lot of attention. And it was all restriction. It was definitely restriction. And I really liked that attention it felt. It felt amazing. And I didn't eat because I was sabotaging myself. Mm -mm. I ate, I came home one day and there was something in the house. And I had been calling upon willpower to keep me safe. And what I found out is willpower has an expiration date. And the problem with the expiration date on willpower is we don't know when it expires. It's just suddenly not there, right? And what happened for me, I, was, I came home from school, there was something in the freezer and I ate it and that was it. I, the next few years, I mean, I'm not kidding. I gained a hundred pounds in high school, humiliating, crushing. All that attention I got when I got skinny, now imagine the attention you get when you get that, that fast as a kid, it's awful. What I also found out is that humiliation is ineffective. Pain, humiliation, teasing, none of it helps either. Um, in fact, I found out something very important that I think is useful in sponsoring today. And I guess that experience was really beneficial. Fear of anybody is not going to help another person. So I can be a clear sponsor, but I should not be a source of fear for anybody that I think I'm gonna help. Because um, if fear would have worked, it would have worked. It would have worked in the disease. And we're actually told fear is an evil and corroding threat, right? So it can't be effective. And, um, and, and feeling any sense of humiliation can't work either, you know. Um, so in more about alcoholism on page 30, it says, our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow someday he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. 
yep, that was my great obsession that I would someday, you know, for me, what did it look like? It looked like every crazy diet, cabbage soup diet, right? Then fen, Optifit, anything. In fact, the more expensive, the more extreme, the more I banked on it, the more I thought it was gonna work. And I'm a smart person, but I have no ability to apply intellect when it comes to this disease either. You know, um, I want to tell you specifically my, my early recovery and my relapse, my first relapse, my first real relapse. I graduated from, high, from college. I was 280 pounds. My life was a mess. My friends were having success and I wanted what they were having. So I went to Overeaters Anonymous for the first time and I found out about an allergy of the body and I was given a food plan. I was given two things when I went to that meeting. I was given the big book. And I was given a food plan because that's what they gave you back at this particular meeting. And the food plan became my religion and I practiced it, you know, so I could get to the God of abstinence. That was my God. That was everything. It was what I worshiped. Abstinence was everything. My food plan was my religion. I was also given a big book and I shoved it in a drawer because it had no diet in it. It wasn't interested. What happened for me was I lost weight. I lost a lot of weight and I lost it like that. And I got all the things that I wanted. Met my husband, got married, got a good job. We were happy, went on my honeymoon and here's what happened. And it, it's in a story more, it's in more about alcoholism. Like the man of 30, right? I didn't stay dry for 25 years. I stayed dry for more like five, but I fell victim which practically every alcoholic has that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink like other men. But like him, right? I gathered all my forces, attempted to stop altogether and found I could not. And then there was Fred. Here's another story. For him, everything was great. Page 41, physically, I felt fine. No pressing problems or worries. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. And so what happened to me? I went on my honeymoon. We were happy. Everything was awesome. I was thin. Good job. Happy husband. I'd arrived and I looked around and I saw other young, newly married women, newly married guys, and they were drinking gorgeous frozen tropical drinks, pretty drinks with stuff in it. And I thought I was normal. I thought, of course I can have this. I'm on my honeymoon. And I couldn't, I took a drink, just like what happened to me in high school when I was 14, I took something, same thing happened again. And the same way that I gained weight, painfully fast, humiliating, crushing, happened to me in my early marriage, right? Which tells me I have no ability to learn from my mistakes. I can't even be the cautionary tale for me. How's that? Right? I have, I'm ineffective to learn from my own damn mistakes. Couldn't learn from it, right? And um, I wanna tell you, because I'm looking at my time and I realize like it's running short. When you gain that kind of weight, you owe a lot of amends to a, to a marriage. Because my infidelity, no, it wasn't to another partner, but it was to food, right? Can you imagine food was my lover? that I locked the bedroom door so I could eat in privacy. 
that's abusive to a marriage, right? To, to, to cause my husband to have to take on the extra weight of all the things that need to be done around the house because I am, I am owned by this love affair I'm having with food, right? And I couldn't get out. Now, the crazy thing is I came back to Overeaters Anonymous again, was having some success. And you saw that picture of me in the sunglasses. I shared it in Key West. I was working a program of recovery, but I had failed to enlarge and perfect my spiritual life. And there were amends I had was never in hell was I ever going to make. And there was resentments that no way I was entitled to be pissed off at those people. And so what happened to me on that gorgeous Key West vacation, I did the exact same thing again with the same food and had the same crushing results, right? So what's happened? What's different? Page 25 says it, the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, towards our fellows and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. You know, we are also told that we have two alternatives. One, go to the bitter end, blotting out the, in, the consciousness of this intolerable situation as best we could, and the other is to accept spiritual help. And what happened for me, I cried out, God, help me. That was it. I, I really did. And not long after that, I began acting like a woman who needed God's intervention. I laid aside all my preconceived ideas and I engaged on every aspect, every step, full on commitment to this way of life. I no longer try to fit my recovery into my life. I let go of my old life and I allowed God to construct a new one. And that, with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Melissa. That was amazing. Thank you.